Hey friends, you're listening to How to Win a Campaign, where you'll get an insider's perspective that teaches you not only how to run, but how to win. I'm Joe Fold. And I'm Martin Diego Garcia. And you can find us on Twitter at CMPWRKSHP or on Instagram at The Campaign Workshop. Welcome and thanks for listening to episode nine of How to Win a Campaign. In episode eight, we were able to talk to Amy Kirshner and discussed uh, one of the main things that a candidate will be doing, which is fundraising uh, and how to really raise the money that you need to win your race. So if you are still struggling on how to write a fundraising pitch, what makes a good fundraising pitch, be sure to go back and take a listen to that really great episode. And today we're talking about paid media and we're going to go through sort of the pros and cons of when you need it, when you don't. How does it work for campaigns? Really try and answer that question. Is TV and radio outdated? I think it's still needed in places and it's a budget question and a question of your community of how you're trying to reach people. So we've got a great guest. Can't wait to chat with you more about it. But Martine, tell me a little bit why you think traditional media is so important. Absolutely. I mean, they are tried and true, right? They are proven ways in which we know people are listening to entertainment. And it could be through TV, it could be through radio, it could be through mail. But these are these are things that are still staples in voters' lives, right? And so we can test all these really new, fun, and fancy things, whether it's SMS texting or Facebook or social media, which are still very good and to layer on. But the sort of reach and impact that traditional media can have uh, I think it's still really, really important for a campaign. And again, right, it depends on budget, but you really need to be thinking about how are you incorporating these mediums uh, in your overall paid media program. Television can be very affordable. I mean, we always have these conversations about, listen, if you're outside of Philadelphia, it's going to be very expensive. But if you're living in Sioux City, Iowa, and it's not the presidential primaries, it very well might be very affordable to pay for a television spot. So depending on you, where you are, depending on the timing, depending on like all of those factors, you really want to look at and think about what is the dominant medium going to be in your area. And frankly, who are is the audience that you're trying to reach? If you're really trying to reach a Latino audience, if you're trying to reach a very specific rural audience, thinking about radio and how that works and how you're connecting with folks can be very cheap and very cost effective. We also are big fans of digital radio, but terrestrial radio is still out there. And for what can be a very little amount of money can be a great way to really engage in that conversation with folks. Yeah. And speaking of money, right, I mean, think we often tell this and try to ingrain this into the candidates that we work with is as you're budgeting out the resources that you have for your campaign, you should be saving 70% of those resources to go to direct voter contact. And very often it's this piece around your paid media program where that money is going, um, leading up to whether the primary or the general, right, right, leading up to election day. But you are spending a large chunk of your resources that you're raising in the things that Joe and I are talking about in this episode for paid media. Yeah, and you really want to be a detective. You really want to think about how have people spent money in the past in your race? Has that been effective? Has it not? Why has it not been? What are communities that have been missed in the past that you can engage with? Is terrestrial radio, is 
television is cable a part of that mix is it digital is it direct mail ask a lot of questions don't just take the consultant's word for it really do your own homework have a conversation about it often we have candidates who listen to the show progressive candidates who can afford to hire a political consultant we also have some that can't you really want to make sure that if you're putting this stuff together, however you're doing it, that you've asked a lot of questions and really understand not only is it the right strategy for your campaign, but then do you have the right team around you to execute the strategy? And that's a big part of putting together any sort of paid communications program, making sure you have the right creative. You don't want it to just be the cheapest. You want it to be something that is persuasion based and really engages with voters in a way that communicates to them. And so think about value over cost. Totally. And I think you raise a good point there on round whether or not you can afford to bring in a consultant to do some of these things and sort of take it off your plate. And I think a couple of things you want to think about as you're hiring a consultant, right, is you want to be able to shop around, right? You want to be able to add to get quotes or RFPs from multiple folks so that you can compare and contrast them to see which one's going to be the best fit for you. And you also want to be thinking about how are you making sure that you're getting if you're going to be doing TV, you have three quotes from TV consultants. You have three quotes from radio consultants. You have three quotes from male consultants. And you're not intermixing those things um, because they are very different and you're comparing sort of apples to apples there. And lastly, the reason you want to do that is so that you're able to negotiate with those folks. If you decide you actually want to pick uh, a particular consultant, you can go back and negotiate with them on price, on timing, on what you're going to get from them for the, the, the hard-earned money that you are raising uh, for your campaign. Think about, again, what are the mediums that you are likely to use? Make sure you're using the consultant to do some of that research to help you really understand what is the best medium in your community. Think strategy first and tactics second. Often the mistake that people make is saying, I need TV, and then you're in a race in which you're not going to be using TV at all. Or I need direct mail, and this is a general election, and you have to reach a really wide audience. So it's Thinking about that, having those conversations ahead of time, and one of the things that I will say is that you know, ask those questions. If you're not a fit for us, I mean, we know at the campaign workshop, we're not a fit for everybody. So feel free, like pick up the phone, call us, call another consultant, have a conversation. If it's something where I don't think I can do it or that it works for what we do, if it's not the right race, I'm going to tell you right away because I, one, you know, want to continue and build this business. It's what we love to do. But also, you know, I'm in this business to help progressive political candidates and I want them to win. So we're always happy to give people engaging, you know, answers to questions. And I know that a ton of the people who work in this business are just like me. Definitely. I mean, I think the other piece that you raised is having a plan, right? Having a plan for what you're going to be doing so that midway through the campaign, you aren't thrown off by what your opponents are doing. So you may have decided, you know, I'm going to spend a majority of my resources in direct mail and sort of layer in some digital and maybe some radio. And all of a sudden you see your opponent drops a huge amount of cash on going up on TV, what you don't know is that they may be spending their entire direct voter contact budget on that one TV ad and then not doing anything else, 
right? And so what you don't want to do is sort of get sidetracked or go off plan once you've already decided this is the best way in which I'm going to communicate with voters, um, because that is a trap that a lot of candidates can fall into by being reactive to what their opponents are doing versus sticking to their plan and being proactive in the way that they are communicating with their target audience. Well, Martin, I'm excited for you to hear this interview with Colin Rojero. Colin is a great media consultant. He's award-winning, bilingual, and I think he does some of the best spots in the business. Can't wait for everyone to hear what he has to say. Let's go to the tape. Welcome back to How to Win a Campaign. I'm joined today with Colin Rojero. Colin is an award-winning, democratic, bilingual, Hispanic political media consultant who draws on his background in advertising and film to elect candidates who break the mold. He's helped elect successful candidates, including the first female African-American mayor of Charlotte, the first African-American woman mayor of Atlanta, the first Latino mayor of Tennessee, and the first South American immigrant in Congress, and many, many more. So, Colin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here, Joe. I'm a huge fan, as you know, and uh, look forward to being helpful to all of your listeners and readers and, and everyone who wants to be a part of the democratic process and be involved in a campaign or run for office themselves. Yeah, well, thanks. So first, tell me, how did you get into this crazy business? How did you become a media consultant? That's a, that's a great question. And I think my path to becoming a media consultant was far different than most people. I was working for an agency in Los Angeles while uh, I was per pursuing graduate education in film, and there were talks about something called Prop 187 kind of coming back to life. And, and I didn't really understand what it was the first time, and you know, there were going to be you know, new iterations of it, and it was really at its core in a bill, a bill that attacked immigrants. Now, if you spend most of your life growing up in South Florida, everybody is an immigrant. I mean, my entire neighborhood was immigrants. My experience was immigrants. I'm connected to the immigrant experience, obviously very closely through my own family. And it was kind of a little foreign to me to see you know, government targeting immigrants in that way, coming from a community that was largely immigrants. So I was really upset about it. And, and I said, I, I want to do something. But I said, what are, what are my skills? And, and how can I use the skills that I have to in, interject into this kind of conversation here? And what I did was say, oh, well, I know how to make ads. I'm working at an agency at the time. And I'm a film guy by trade and a director by trade. So I, I know how to make both of these things. So what I did was con some friends from film school into you know, us pooling a little bit of money together, flying to Mexico, and then literally hiring a taxi driver to drive us back up to the border uh, and film the entire way. It's a kind of one of these things, crazy things you only do in your early 20s, right? What year was this, Colin? When was that? 2003 or four. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're driving through the country of Mexico, filming, sleeping in the car sometimes, sleeping in parks, sleeping in people who we were interviewed, homes who were incredibly amazing, would open their homes to us and didn't really know what we were going to have. But when we finished the process and got back home, we had filmed for about a week and then we edited for a week and, and we had something that, you know, kind of maybe by dumb luck or magic at the same time was, was powerful. And a local PBS station basically gave us the funds for it, bought it from us, and they released it nationwide, you know, over, you know, uh, at different local PBS stations that would take it and had, you know, kind of interest in the content. We won a little award for it. And 
then, you know, I was contrasting that, I guess you would say in, you know, the altruistic part of my soul and said, well, I don't want to sell products anymore. And I was working on a part of a Band-Aids account. Right. And I said, well, I don't want to like this is cool and fun in some ways, but doesn't have a grand effect on the world around me. And this thing, I think, actually literally changed the way people view their neighbors. And, and I said, I want to do more of this. And at the same time, I was watching political advertising and wasn't that wildly impressed with the creativity in it, at least on the Democratic side. The Republican side seemed to be a little better. And, and I said, well, those are my people. I think I can help them. And I started to talk to some friends who were into politics. And somebody gave me the sage advice. He said, look, if you want to play with the animals, you got to live a heck of a lot closer to the zoo. So move yourself across the country to D.C. So I did. And so... As a political media consultant, a lot of campaigns are out there. A lot of campaign managers, candidates are trying to figure out how do they hire and pick a media consultant. So can you give us like what you think are the ways that candidates and managers should figure out who are the right people to talk to, who's not the right fit for them? How do you think folks should make that decision? That's a great, great question. And for me, I think there's a couple of things. I think people in this industry often hire media consultants based on these, you know, things that are not actually connected to the work that they do. And that's unfortunate. I think so. The first thing anyone should do is take a look at the body of work. And if they want a specific, you know, kind of reel for the kind of race that they're running, they should, they should request that. Take a look at the work. Is the work good? And, and I would use this specific question. Is the work good enough if I'm just a voter, right, put myself in the shoes of average voters to make me stop and say, oh, that's interesting. I may want to know more. Did this catch my attention emotionally? One, visually, two, and then three was the message that they were trying to communicate clear. That's step one. Find the group of people who you think create very, very good work. Then after that, and I think this is equally important, is you have to spend some time with the media consultant. So talk to them. Uh, hopefully you should meet with them in person and see what that relationship is like. Because, it, it, you know, Joe, as you know, in campaigns, there are often times when we may not agree with the candidate. We may not agree as one half of the team. And the most important thing for a campaign, campaign manager combination to understand is that this media firm, this media consultant, I trust them. And even though I may not agree with what they're prescribing, it's coming from a place of care about my race and real desire for us to be successful, not just because that's what they always do and the way they've always done it. So they want to do it that way again. And when you do anything for an extended period of time, I think sometimes you can have the tendency to, do, to be duplicative. Yeah. And so media is always changing. The landscape is always changing. I know we've been doing a ton more digital. I started doing digital in 2003, and it's really grown exponentially. But there's still a place for traditional media in a lot of campaigns. Talk to me a little bit about how you strategically think about the tactics that a campaign's going to use, what that media mix is. How do you create the right media mix for a political campaign? That's that's a great question. I, I think uh, creating the right media mix for campaigns is different in every scenario. I don't think there's a prescription that says X number of our budget goes here and X number of our budget goes there. I think that's a prescription for a disaster. You have to look at the electorate, where they're going to be. And then that varies by general versus primary. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we have a younger, if we're trying to expand the voter pool and we want to go after a younger demographic, then we may be on not just digital, but different channels on digital than we may be if we were just in a general race against somebody else. But I, I think the real important point here and the thing that I, I want to communicate to any campaign is that whether or not the traditional and digital is done under one roof or it's done by multiple firms, those two entities have to work together. And they have to be very integrated in looking at the campaign as kind of a branding arc and say, hey, we're going to make sure our communications align, feel good, and are you know, kind of equivalent to each other. Because I've seen in some cases and been a part of them, unfortunately, where a traditional agency is over here and we're doing one thing and there's not a, whole, a lot of desire to coordinate. And so you get TV ads saying one thing, a series of digital ads saying another thing, completely different imagery. And it's like you're building a house, one half out of brick, one half out of stucco. And in the end, it looks like crap doesn't work. Yeah. And and I mean, I think sometimes people think that we all don't get along with each other when we actually do. That's true. Right. I mean, it's like one of these things where I think in the end, we we all want to win. And so my my next question around that is with small campaigns that might be not be able to hire you, right? What do you recommend? Like if you're running a state rep race and literally you're going to be doing one or two local radio spots, what's the process that you recommend a manager or a candidate go through to get the right spot down? They don't have the money to hire you. They're going to be spending Fifteen thousand dollars in total on the campaign. If you're, if they're listening to this podcast today, progressive Democrats somewhere in America, how do they create the best creative spot or best strategy for themselves? I think the creative and the strategy are two different things. So let me let me jump on the creative first and answer the question: Is how do you cre- how do you do good creative at a low budget, and what what does that mean? I think. Right now, we're in a super cynical environment, politically speaking, and everybody looks at folks who are running for office, regardless of the level of office they're running for, and lumps them together as, oh, those are politicians, they're probably self-serving, I don't have a reason to trust them. And digital has actually been a big part of this, too. So I think the first thing, no matter what the medium is that the candidate needs to do, is answer a question of why. Why are you running? Why should I trust you? You know, why? And, and that's not about an issue. That's not about healthcare. That's not about those things. Those are what's. But answer the question of why. Why should I believe in you? Maybe it's biographical, maybe not. Maybe it's just I was moved by this particular thing I saw happening in society. And that's why I want to engage in this, you know, public process and become a leader. I think that gives a campaign and a candidate the, the opportunity to be number one, authentic. Then, look, you got to find the mediums that are the most bang for your buck on the strategic side. So, Different media markets have different ones. I think you got to reach a you know a basic level of of saturation in any medium to be able to really break through and and have people hear you. So I think you got to look at your overall resources and say these are the ones that are most cost effective and err first in filling up the bucket on one. And then once you've done that, look at others. So be specific about the medium. Tell people your why before you get into the what's. And that's the basic for doing any good campaign at any economic investment level. Yeah. And so what's unique about media buying for candidates? Talk to us about some of those unique challenges about buying media and using media for a political campaign. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that you have to consider is that your ads don't appear in vacuums, right? Like they're awash a whole bunch of other advertising. And that advertising is inherently probably more in line with what the consumers view and actually want. So, you know, they're going to see on Instagram an advertisement based on their retargeting for a cool pair of shoes that they want, right? And then they're going to see a political ad and that's going to be a little bit forced on them. So I think you have to first recognize you're not appearing in a vacuum. I'll sum this up with a mentor of mine in advertising gave me a great line that I have always tried to consider anytime I approach any piece of creative work that has to do with advertising. He said, hey, at the end of the day, I don't care where your advertising is. What advertising is, is an interruption. And if you are going to interrupt somebody, then you damn well better make it worth their time. And to me, that means do something good. Do something that's high quality creative, you know, make it worth their time. Don't bore them to death by talking about a hundred different policy points make it entertaining, make it engaging, make it emotional, make it, you know, comedic if that fits. And, and, and really be, be cognizant of the fact you're interrupting their life and something they want to do to give them a message. And so what's the biggest mistake you see campaigns make when it, when it comes to media creative or media buying? There is a tendency for people in this business to replicate what they have seen before. And another thing in advertising that I learned very early on was that different always beats better. And so if you're replicating the same thing, then, you know, inherently people are going to say immediately, that's a political ad. Oh, a shot of a Capitol building. Oh, a shot of Donald Trump. Great. I'm not listening anymore, you know. And I think it's important and inherent on the agencies to be better at their jobs so that they're ultimately more effective on behalf of their candidates. So I think it starts there. Don't replicate the stuff that's been done for 20 years. I think there's an automatic assumption that we, we hoard all of our money for the last week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks. And that's just not the world we live in anymore. I think you still have to be communicating at a very high level during those times, but you get to a point of diminishing returns because everybody's doing that same thing. And I think today's day and age, and as things like early voting expands, uh, you know, it's going to be more important to do a longer, slower burn of advertising where people are getting a real feel for the candidate than trying to blast them over 10 days, you know, right before the election. I think the power of a one singular medium doesn't exist that way anymore. That's like a technique that's for maybe late 90s when everybody watched TV all the time. We're not there anymore. And I also think, you know, it, you should start your digital programs very, very early, as early as you can, because you're, you're essentially taking a candidate and campaign and building a brand over a long period of time. People got to recognize that that's what's going on today. And, and to do that takes a, you know, it, you can't do it in a week. You got you to gotta do it over a, a period of time and really back it up with consistency in messaging, consistency in creative, and, and just staying focused and, and true to who you are and not trying to do it over 10 days. Because if I'm, if I'm trying to be forced to buy something over 10 days, chances are I'm just not going to buy it, right? Like I'm going to think, yeah, I, I don't really believe that anyway. It sounds like a hard sell. So with candidate campaigns, we're seeing a lot of, you know, fa false narratives out there, a lot of, we could say, fake news about candidates and campaigns. What are the ways that you've seen with your clients or other clients where you've seen candidates effectively combat that, effectively combat a negative that's out there? How do they do that? How do they do that preemptively, whether that's in free media or in paid media? What are ways that you would recommend? I think both in free media and depending on the severity of it and, and in the nature of the race, if somebody's doing paid against us, I think maybe you have to answer in paid. But I think on the front end, you got to answer, right? The old adage was, let's just let this thing die, right? But a, as we have seen in recent years, very recent years, false narratives become true when repeated enough. 
And, you know, now now when you have Twitter bots and things of this nature that will repeat things ad nauseum, you know, they, they can enter themselves into the lexicon without there being a paid element to them. So for for me, I'm always, let's answer this thing, let's dispel the myth, and let's do it in a cool, creative way. And I can give you kind of one example of that. Please. Very recent. So Debbie McCarcel Powell is the first South American immigrant uh, that you, you mentioned ever elected to Congress. She's a great woman, great representative. And, you know, Congress has actually passed a lot of bills this year, 400 plus. They're just going nowhere in the Senate. Okay. So Donald Trump comes home to his new home where the Southern District can no longer investigate him in Florida, where he's changed his residency. And he starts attacking the Democrats generally, and he mentions Debbie McCarcel Powell by name. Now, I said, we probably shouldn't let this slide, and this is a great opportunity for us to dispel some myths. And he said, the do-nothing Democrats like Debbie Mukarsel Powell, who I wish you would come talk to me. And I said, we can take care of that. So we grabbed that clip, and we immediately had her do a response on an iPhone where she basically went right back after him and said, hey, I'm right here, and, and the 400 bills that we've already passed that deal with these things you're talking about are sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. And you know, if you want to call me, you can call my office, and we can get together and talk about that anytime." But make no mistake, I'm not one of the Republicans who's afraid of you and thinks that just because you say something in a speech, I'm going to cower. I'm not. I'm Debbie McCarcel Powell, and I'm here, and I'm ready to stand up to you. But I'll work with you if you want to do the right things. And uh, man, it just you know kind of exploded. It became a little little bit of a viral sensation. It was kind of like her most popular tweet of all time, and that was her answering things immediately. And so I, you know, I, I I think people want to hear responses to things immediately because things come and go in our media environment so quickly now. So you're either part of that conversation or that conversation has been a part of you and you haven't had a chance to answer. And that's the way you should look at it. Awesome. Well, Colin Rojero, thank you so much for chatting with us. You can find Colin. He's at the firm 76 Words. And uh, we really appreciate your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. It was great to have Colin Rojero on the show to talk about paid media. For a lot of campaigns, it's going to make sense to bring a media consultant on board to help you get your messaging out there effectively. So how do you choose the right political consulting firm to work with? As we talked about, take a close look at the firm's work. Put yourself in the shoes of the average voter. When you do this, is the creative visually compelling? Will it speak to people in your community? Does it catch your attention? Is the message clear? Does it help form an emotional connection? You want to really think about, is this something that is going to work in your community? And frankly, will the consultants themselves work with you? Definitely, because you really want to value that relationship that you're going to have with your media consultants as well. I mean, if possible, a couple of tips, right? If you can meet them in person, uh, would be really great. And think about, right, is this a team or a consultant which you can trust, right? You're really sort of working with them in the same way that you're working with your campaign team. These people are going to be building messaging and media that is going to be going out to your voters. And they, you really need to trust them that they are going to put your message out there the way that you want it to be delivered. You're not always going to agree with your media consultant, which is totally fine, but you do need to hire someone who understands your values and who is dedicated to getting you creative to help you win, right? It's not just sort of giving you some cookie cutter stuff that they've already done in the past or that they do for every campaign, but really are going to customize the way in which they're communicating to voters to match your values in your campaign.
Yeah, I mean, not every campaign can afford to hire a political consultant, and that's okay. If you're going to be doing creative yourself to get your message out to voters, you know, through videos, through static ads, mail, etc., the most important thing to remember is be authentic. You don't need to have expensive, fancy equipment to make your case to voters. What you need to do is have a real understanding of your story. Try new things to be engaging, like crowdsourcing video content from supporters. But really think about, does the story come through to connect with people? Right. And no matter what the scale of your campaign is, you really want to make sure that you're integrating your message across all platforms and tactics. So whether you're doing paid media or organic media, you want to make sure that you keep your messaging consistent. We often tell folks that a voter needs to hear your message between eight and 12 times before it really starts to resonate with them and they start to connect you with that message. So it's important uh, if you're working with multiple firms or just one firm or no firm at all, that you're actually keeping the messaging really consistent so that the people that you're communicating with get that repetition in order to start remembering your message. So don't build different parts of your campaigns in a vacuum. As Colin said, right, it's like building half of your house out of brick and half of your house out of mud. It just doesn't really make sense or doesn't make for a cohesive final product. Right. I mean, this is creative and it's a collaborative process. You really want to build and work with your team and get real trust with them. You know, one of the things that we have found working with candidates is that sometimes as a candidate, you'll get bored of your message part of the way through. But it doesn't mean that voters really have heard it. As Martine says, you have to have that repetition and you have to trust that you hire experts and bring them around you who are really going to have an understanding of how much and what you need to say to voters to really communicate and engage with them. So develop that trust, build a good team, and you, hopefully you will be successful and win your campaign. Absolutely. The, the ideal relationship you want to have with your consultant, right, is a marriage of sort of their experience and their expertise of sort of what is the proven tools, tactics, um, strategies to get your message out there and your knowledge of your community, right? How do they customize the way that they have always messaged to campaigns with the customization of the knowledge and the way in which your community is functioning? What are the most important issues? What is the messaging you're trying to deliver? How to customize that to your own personality so that you are coming off authentic? Yeah, I mean, messaging and strategy is as much of an art form as it is a science. So you really have to make sure you're hiring people who you feel like, frankly, artistically can really get that vision out there for you. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us and feel free to send any questions our way using the email and social handles in the description. On the next episode of How to Win a Campaign, we'll be talking to Donald Green, who's a political scientist who really helped to pioneer the research of how to do modern GOTV or get out the vote for campaigns. We'll be talking about all things get out the vote and covering some GOTV myths um, that you should be wary of. But until next time, this is Martin Diego Garcia. And Joe Fold, breaking down how to win a campaign. Campaign is Joe Fold, Martin Diego Garcia, Hope Rohrbach, Daniel Lamb, Heidi Job, and Elena Veach. Music by Mike Pinto. Sound editing by Junto Media. Special thanks to the team at the Campaign Workshop. Please review, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.